The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Fleece. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Good morning. Somebody, somebody hey, hit the mics. Hey, props, props to Jay for getting the power back on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what a what a morning. Five minutes before. Showtime. I was a little scared when I saw him licking his fingers and sticking his hand in the transformer on the street. Yeah. But you know, when you don't pay your utility bill, that's what yeah, you works. have to do. Right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Screw the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. What a morning already. Oh, yeah. Today we're talking about uh, Schwartz beer, eh, Johnny? Use the Schwartz. Use the Schwartz. I just wanted to yes. say that. Okay. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. A movie reference. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> good to be back in the studio. Feels like it's been months. It's going to be a month. It was? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about Schwartz Beer, and before we get into that, i like to cover an email uh, from one of the listeners. We get all sorts of emails, hundreds a week, and if you got questions or whatever, uh, email us. Uh, you can email john, J-O-N, at thebrewingnetwork.com, or jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at thebrewingnetwork.com. We'll answer all your questions. It may take us a week or so to get to you. We try and do them every day, but you know, there's just a, a lot, so it, it takes some time to, to get a reply back. But we're, we're happy to uh, answer questions and help out. Uh, Mark writes, uh, let's see here. I, th- I think your new calculator is awesome. So uh, at the, my website, www.mrmalty.com, uh, I have a pitching rate calculator. And I've uh, done a new version, and it's it's uh, real slick. Uh, go and check it out. He says, uh, I have a few questions. If I didn't want to use two vials for a four-liter starter, could I put one vial in 500 milliliters and then step this up to the four liters and accomplish the same yeast count? Hmm. Uh, let's see here. My response was, uh, Mark, don't make a starter less than a liter. You don't, you don't want to make a starter less than a liter because... Uh, there's not enough sugars there to really grow any yeast. You can get the yeast kind of going, and you may get uh, you know a little bit of increase in cell count, but you're not gonna you're not gonna really double your cell count or anything like that. If you have a stir plate, you can go with a liter of 1040 wort, and uh, you can double a tube into two tubes with that. If you have, uh, if you don't have a stir plate, you can go with two liters of 1040 wort, and you'll double a tube of uh, White Labs using that in 24 hours. Or uh, yeah, two days? most of the growth is done in 12 to 18 hours. Okay, uh, depends on starting gravity, how much you're pitching, things like that. Right, a variety of factors, type of yeast, but usually in 24 hours or so, it's it's doubled. Hmm. Uh, at that point, you can uh, you know chill it, decan it, whatever. And so then you got two tubes, and you can go ahead and and do do that for instead of using two tubes. That's uh, you know, and that's like a step, a starter step. step. So at that point, you got two tubes, and you can go ahead and do the next uh, level of your starter, and uh, that should work out well. Yeah, I did an experiment with a starter. I did one one thousand mil starter, and I did one without a starter, uh, a stir plate. And the yeast slurry actually on the on the stir plate was whiter in color, mm-hmm. and the one without on the stir plate was brownish in color. Hmm. It just seemed like I think if you keep yeast in suspension, they clean themselves out more. Is my guess? I don't know. Just, it just yeah, seemed I'm like not, a cleaner I'm not sure slurry. Why that would be yeah, same yeast, same DME. Mm-hmm. You know, cleaner looking yeast. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I've done. Uh, months and months of uh, starter uh, experimentation and uh, cell counts and all that. Yeah, and uh, I notice a counts. huge. Uh, yeah, I notice a huge difference between uh, you know s- something on a stir plate and something without a stir plate and right. shaking versus stir and all that. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't paid attention to color, so next time uh, I get the uh, the nerve up to do months of starters for no apparent reason other than to count cells. I, I got to look at that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Something I checked out. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good observation. All right, so we're talking about Schwarzbier. That's one of my favorite styles. Uh, tell me about Schwarzbier. Well, a Schwarzbier. There's an argument on the color here. Um, if you look at it, it should be black um, on the table. But if you probably hold it up to a light, it should be probably very, very dark brown, almost black, with some ruby highlights. Um, the head retention should be tan in color. Um, maybe a little bit of noble hops coming through, subtle though. Maybe even some carafa malt, some you know, some chocolate nose. Um, the mouthfeel should be pretty malty, um, smooth bitterness all the way through, a medium bitterness, uh, carbonation level medium. You know, um, it should taste like a pilsner, but black in color, finished relatively dry, and probably just a little hint of roastedness in the finish when you swallow so yeah 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 it's it's one of my favorites uh and yeah, there's a range of things mm-hmm. um i you know I, I think of the short spears as being pretty darn close to black as as close to black as you can get without being uh you know, you know and calling them brown you know if if you look at a brown ale Right. And, I, and I think this is a, the place where a lot of uh, brewers uh, go wrong, because uh, in the the commercial examples, like a Kostrick or you know any any of those commercial examples you see, I call those black. Right. You know that's it's it's not as black and and opaque as a stout. Right. Um, but to me, it's it's pretty much black in color. If you hold it up, you can still see through it. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, you know, there's all those uh, ruby highlights and stuff. And, and when you, like you're saying, when you look at it in a glass, a full glass of it, it looks black. When it looks black, for sure. So I guess you could call that brown, but don't make the mistake of making it look like a brown right. ale. Or a dunkel. I mean, right. a dunkel. Exactly. You know. Yeah, now that's, that I would say is brown. That, yeah, it is brown. Yeah. 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 It should be like double that color. And I, and I, see, I see people make uh, the dunkels black and the Schwarzschild's brown. She's and it's, it's the opposite, right? Wrong right. category. Now, what about good commercial examples you had? Only one I've had, well, is EJ Fair, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had Gordon Biersch's. Mm-hmm. You know, I think EJ Fair is a lot blacker mm-hmm. and a little maltier too. Mm-hmm. Um, Gordon Biersch's, I've only had it once, but it it was relatively brown. You know, it was yeah, and some see. black hue. I mean, and black hues too to it. And I've and I've had the Schwartz beer at. Uh, in San Jose, San Francisco, San Diego, and Las Vegas, and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I say it's black. Okay. <laughs> well, I, you the know, one in New Orleans was fabulous. I'm sure the glass that you serve it in even plays a role into right. the color. Well, and the lighting at most of those places is pretty dark. Yeah, so. so uh, but sitting there at the bar, you know, I've had all those places at Gordon Beers, and I thought it was pretty dark. The, uh, and I think it's a, a, a pretty fine example of the style. Mm-hmm. Uh, flavor and aroma wise and all that uh, the the EJ Fair I I love it it's a great beer my it's one beer. of my one of my favorites yeah. and uh, they've won a gold at GABF not this year but the the year previous and the the thing about it is that the, the EJ Fair is very similar to the, the way I do it well it's based off my recipe right, right? and so it is. More malty mm-hmm. and more roasty, and uh, got more mouthfeel. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, mean, I can have three of those. And yeah. it's, it's got some oh, some sweetness to it, but yeah. it's countered by the roast and by the hops. Hmm. You know, it's not. A, it's a, you're right. It's not a, a, a overly sweet beer. Could the roastiness contribute to an impression of dryness? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the 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 thing about it is. It's a great beer that way. You know, it's it's on the bigger end of the style. Mm-hmm. And it, what you'll find is that a lot of judges prefer it that way, and a lot of drinkers prefer it that way. Right. If you go to, to Germany and have a Schwartz beer there, it's pretty pretty crisp and dry. Like you're saying, it's mm-hmm. a Pilsner with a slight roast character, very slight roast character, and, uh, you know, it's more, more along the lines of those. Right. The tasty beer. I enjoy it thoroughly. Yep. Uh, and it's a, it's a moderate alcohol beer. It's not a really huge beer. Yeah, shouldn't it be more than what five and a half percent or? It, right, right. Yeah. And you know, it'll, it'll, in the the ten, you know, I like to make them, uh, you know, 
uh, at the upper end of the range, you know, maybe 1054. A little maltier. But, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from 1046 to, you know, 1052, they say now, but it used to be 1054, I think, for the uh, style guy. They, they lowered it a little bit. And this is a good beer to brew now, too. For wintertime coming up. Right. You know? Right. I, I like to do the lagers in the winter, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's easier to get the temperatures where you need them to be and all that. And uh, you're, you'll end up with a, with a you know, a, a nice beer for uh, the spring. And, uh, but be you know, crisp and clean. And right. Dark. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a really good uh, commercial example uh, that I found not too long ago is Sam Adams. Uh, black lager. Oh yeah, I would say that's a better commercial example than probably any other one. They're I've a had. great brewery. I'm yeah, impressed. they are. They're they're fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm surprised at how much of a craft brewer they are. Right. You know, you, you when you first come into this, you think they're like a big brewery, and you know they're they're just like a different kind of Budweiser or something. But not it's not all. true at all. They're they're a craft brewer. Yeah. And they've got you know just a, a wide range of beers, and they're they're making some great stuff. But it's it's not added to the style guide yet. Mm. But uh, the same Adams Black Lager I, I hear is going to be added to the uh, style guide, and that's if you can get a hold of that. That is a fantastic example. That's what you want your short spear to turn out. Can you get that at Bebmo? Uh, you might be able to. I, I haven't been to Bebmo recently, but mm. uh, you should be able to. And the, the, before we get into uh, the short spear recipe, mm. when when I was um, starting out brewing uh, years ago, one of the things that I decided to do was to brew every style in the BJCP style guide because I thought, well, here's a good way to learn about the styles. Here's a good way to learn about brewing, trying right. to do all these different things. And in order to brew each one, I'm going to have to do some research and figure it out and, and try and make a decent example and then you know, enter all those styles and, and try and perfect them. And that would be a good way to learn. And when I came to the Schwarzbier category, I thought, yeah, yeah, I got no interest in that. You know, it's not something I'd really enjoy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I read about it, and I'm like, okay. I couldn't find any previous uh, recipes. There was really a lack of recipes out there for this style. So I went ahead up and came up with this recipe that I'm going to give here in a little bit. Shotgun and, approach. <laughs> and right, right off the bat, that thing was uh, taking uh, you know gold medals, no problem. Yeah. And I loved it. It was delicious. It was just fantastic. And let's say it's probably maltier and a little bigger and a little roastier, and uh, than she does well. A true, comps. a true uh, beer would be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. Um, it did excellent in comps. And then I got a few score sheets that said. You know, it's not roasty enough. Not roasty enough. Not roasty enough. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's already roasty. It's you know very apparently roasty. Well, you don't want it to be all roast character, right? And so. people and and a number of judges were thinking Schwarzbier is like a stout. No, no. Uh, and so I, you know, I got enough of those that I actually changed the recipe. I doubled up on the, uh, the dark grains. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible. It was it was like a a stout with lager yeast. You know, it, it really screwed good. it up. You gotta you gotta be subtle in in your approach to those grains. Hmm. Otherwise, it uh, you know it ends up just you know too roasty and it's wrong. It should yeah. be a session like, beer. Yeah, like or like you know. John's saying, you know, like you go and having a, a Munich Ellis or a right. or a, a German Pilsner, and. It's, it's got it's got it's black right. and just a little bit of roastiness in there gives right. it some some character. So it's got that same maltiness, but uh, the roast to go with it. You got a gold in nationals with this, right? I'm yeah, pretty I'm not sure, sure you did. if it was a gold or, or something or else. Something. Or, yeah, I, I I know I've got a medal in the nationals with this and uh, a couple other loggers. You don't it's remember what I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I keep track. <laughs> no, there were some others. Uh, Rauch beer, mm. classic Rauch beer. That's. Uh, can't stand a large malt. see it again. It, it's it's a uh, that that one's more of an acquired taste. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. When we come back from the break, we are going to uh, talk about talk the ingredients. About the, talk about the ingredients. That's that's right. That's right. Thanks, John. Uh-huh.
Ivan the Terrible. Yeah, too foreboding. Louis the Sixteenth. Hmm, not too popular. Hey, dude, what's up? What are you doing? Uh, tr- I'm trying to come up with a new name for the Brewing Network Sunday Show. Really? Yeah, they're accepting entries. You know, from now till December 10th, the five best names will be entered for a chance to win one of the two conicals being given away by Beer, Beer, and More Beer and HCA Industries. Uh, I don't think that's what they mean. Buster, Buster. I had a cat named Buster. Dude, they're not going to name the Sunday show after your stupid cat. Roy. Are you feeling okay? Jim Bob? You're mental. Sally. Dude, you're supposed to come up with a fun and entertaining way of naming the show, not name the show. Dipstick, a kraut, and a drunk dentist. The Brewing Network Comical Christmas Giveaway. Name the show for your chance to win between now and December 10th. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back, and we're talking about Schwartzbeer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, Justin, Daniela, and I drove out to GABF this year, and... Uh, one of the things that I tried to have along the way was a bunch of different Schwartz beers. While you're and, driving? And at GABF. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Daniela was driving, and it was okay. Okay. And uh, we stopped at, uh, I guess it was Squatters in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And it, here is proof that you can have a fantastic beer at 4% uh, ABV. And they had a Schwartz beer there that was just spectacular. Wow. And I'm thinking, boy, this one is really good. And the and the, the Schwartz beer that EJ Fair entered this year was really, really good, too. Yeah. And uh, I got to GABF, and I tried all the ones on the floor, and I'm thinking, gosh, it's got to be like Squatters and EJ Fair, EJ Fair yeah. or EJ Fair and Squatters Zip. and somebody else and, you know, <laughs> you know, and maybe, and uh, I think Sam Adams entered their uh, Black Lager as well. And not one, not one of them placed. And I went and I tried some, you know, and and perhaps they served me the wrong beer, but it was flagged as the uh, third place uh, Schwartz beer. And I swear it was a brown ale. (laughs) It was really fruity and super hoppy. And I I was like, it's a nice American brown ale, but this is not Schwartz beer. So I don't know if I got the wrong one poured to me, but uh, well. Uh, it was a, it was like a light brown. <laughs> it was it was it wasn't even fermented with lager yeast. Really? Yeah. Then how's that the short beer? I have no idea. That's a good question. So uh, <laughs> and so again, maybe they poured me the wrong one, but they seem pretty certain that it was the right one. It's I possible. think it's coming out of. Uh, so, uh, anyways, I was a little disappointed that uh, those didn't. And me and too. again, you know. Four percent alcohol. You can make a great Schwartz beer. You can make a lot of great beers. That'd at 4%. be awesome, actually. Four percent. Oh, I had a big old a pint of, of that. And, uh, it was just delicious, and I felt great. And, and then another pint felt better. <laughs> yeah, four more pints. I was fine. <laughs> yeah. no, it was. It was. It was really great. Um, red. <laughs> so one of the keys to making a, a, a Schwartz beer is getting the right amount of roastiness. But not too much. But not too much. And getting enough color. So but German, not too little. Right. German, German, <laughs> German brewers, they can use uh, the Sinmar extract, which is a color extract. It's made from uh, the German Carafa special malt, the Huskless Carafa. Anytime you're adding Carafa to a recipe to get color without the roastiness, you need the Carafa special. And the Carafa Special is different than the Carafa. The Carafa Special does not have a husk. And it's a husk that adds all those roasty notes, or the majority of those, those roasty notes. So you use Carafa without that. Mm-hmm. And when I use Carafa, I just powder it up. I, I put in a coffee grinder and yeah. turn it into a powder, and I scatter that, and I need, like, you know, an ounce. Do you, uh, do you put it in for the whole mash? Yeah. Uh. Just sprinkle it on the mash and uh, let it go. And it, you really don't extract any uh, roasty flavors or astringency because it doesn't have a husk. What does the powdering do to it? Why? Just makes it easier to extract the color out of it. Huh. So you don't need as much then, right? Okay. So I just kind of got into that habit, and so a couple pounds of craft will last you a lifetime if, yeah. if you do it that way because you get you get so much out of it. Hmm. And that since there's no husk, you, you got no problem just grinding it up. Uh, on my recipe, I like to uh, uh, start at uh, shooting for a 1054 uh, starting gravity. I do a 90-minute boil, 
and uh, I will use uh, seven pounds of Munich malt in a, in a six-gallon batch, 70% efficiency. I'll use uh, seven pounds of Munich malt, four pounds of uh, 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 European uh, Pilsen malt, uh, a German Durst is good, Weirmann's is good, a half pound of uh, Crystal 40, which if you're making uh, something really strict to style, I, I think maybe use half of that. Okay. But, uh, you know, it adds a little little sweetness and some, some character in there. <laughs> I use a half pound of uh, chocolate malt. I use a quarter pound of roasted barley. And I use a quarter pound of the Carafa Special, the Huskless Carafa. Now, that surprises me they use roasted barley. I mean, you're going to get some roast character from the Carafa. Uh, not really from the craft. You're going to get it from the chocolate, yeah. and you're going to get it from the roast barley. And as I, again, as I said, this is a bit much yeah. for style. If you were really strict to style, but this balance is nice with a little bit of the residual sweetness, and it and it makes makes for a great beer. Mm-hmm. And this this is uh, this sucker wins some awards. You, you know, I would not I would not go more roasty than this. Yeah. And I could see cutting the roasty on this by half and uh, being close. Just I would cut the crystal and I'd cut the uh, chocolate and I'd cut the roasted barley in half. Wow. And I would uh, just bump either the pills and, and the Munich to, to make up for. What about no Boston. roasted barley? Just up the chocolate. Yeah, you could do that. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't up the chocolate because uh, you're going to get a different uh, kind of flavor. You're going to okay. get a. A more a background coffee chocolate type of note with that. You want a roasted character, and you want, you want a little bit of roast. You want a roasted finish in the beer, right? Okay. I mean, you might even get rid of the chocolate and just go roasted barley. Hmm. You can't go wrong with this recipe. No, you can't. Uh, but if you're trying to be very religious to you know some of the German uh, examples or closer to that uh, Sam Adams version, you might cut back on the roast a little bit. How do you like, think the Germans brew this beer? What type of ingredients do you think they use? Uh, it's probably like Munich malt and, uh, you know, Continental Pilsner and Sinmar extract, something That's like that. That's it. Yeah. Hmm. And maybe there's some roast in there. I'm not really sure. Again, I, you know, I couldn't find a whole lot of information on this when I started. Not much in the guidelines either. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, I, I winged it and uh, it turned out right. So... Hmm. Uh, all right, so that's that's the the, the grain bill percentage wise. That's fifty six percent Munich, thirty two percent Continental Pilsner, four percent Crystal Forty, four percent chocolate malt, two percent roasted barley, and two percent Carafa special. Mm-hmm. On the hopping, I'll use uh, Hallertauer Middlefru or you know what a good Hallertauer or uh, Tetnang is all right. Uh, something uh, German noble hop. All the way through. All the way through. Yeah. And for, for bittering, it's about uh, 1.9 ounce, which is um, at uh, 3.5% alpha, 26.8 uh, IBUs at 60 minute. I use a half ounce of the Halitower at uh, 20 minutes and a half ounce of the Halitower at 1 minute. And that's going to give you some of that uh, noble hop flavor and aroma. And it's not much, but it's enough to, to stand out through the beer. Do you want a hint of bitterness in this beer to balance the sweetness? I mean, do you taste the Hollow Tower bitterness coming through at all? Oh, or sure. Uh, you know, this is 30 IBUs. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's in a, you know, a 1054 beer. So that's enough that's to use. You, you get it. And, it. and it helps cut a little bit of that sweetness from that crystal malt mm. and, uh, you know, some of the those longer chain dextrins. As well, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna get a nice uh, balance that way. You know, it's all about balance. It shouldn't be overly hoppy. It shouldn't be uh, overly bitter. Or you astringent. Want, you want a nice balance between the malt and the and the hop, right? And especially as far as uh, you know the sweet and the and the bitter as well. Hmm. So you, you, a balanced beer that you can drink a liter of. Right. If you can't drink a liter of this, you made it wrong. Yeah. Either you know? too big or too sweet. Right. Too big, too sweet, didn't mm-hmm. attenuate enough. Right. Um, you put too much hops in, uh, things like that. You want it to be a balanced session beer. All the all the German beers, except for even the Doppelbox, you can drink a liter of them. You may you may be uh, out on the floor, <laughs> but, but you know they're made to be able to you know drink a drink a liter of a liter of Doppelbox just sounds good right now. You know that? Oh, it always sounds good, especially wow. you know in the morning. Yeah, you know you get your Wheaties, you get your liter of Doppelbox. That's what, that's what Justin does every morning. Breakfast of champions. Actually, you see the the bomber of barley wine right there. Oh, nice. That was his breakfast this morning. Good man. I'm proud of him. 
Good man. Yeah, he's he's enjoying enjoying that the bomber of uh, that Avery uh, Hog Heaven barley wine. Jesus. Wow. That's why Justin's Justin. Yeah, you know, he, he can do those sorts of things. But you and me, we'll stick with the... Uh, we're the light. That's right. He's we're drinking lagers. We're the pansy guys. Yeah. The, the pansy show, yes. <laughs> and But, you know, it should be something that you can drink a liter of. Mm-hmm. You should be able to drink these in quantity. If you're, if you're not making them where you can drink them in quantity, then, you know, something's wrong with your uh, procedure or your recipe. Yeah, yeah refining. So this is kind of pushing that end of where you can drink a liter because it's going to be slightly bigger than, you know. Well, you make yours pretty big. I mean, I'd probably shoot for like a 1048, 1045 mm-hmm. and probably a little bit drier, maybe right. 1008, right. you know, uh-huh. just so I can have a lower gravity beer, right. drier finish. Oh, and after having that spectacular one at Squatters in Salt Lake City. That's 4%, huh? Yeah. I, boy, I, I was thinking, boy, I should make, you know, make it at 4% so I can, you know. Have a, a liter of it and and not worry. Generally, I drink just a pint, right? You know. A day, a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You have yeah, to. I hold myself to a pint a day. It's good for your health, right? Exactly. Uh, for yeast, you can use any of the uh, good German lager yeast that uh, White Labs or Y Yeast has, and I, I think you can't really go wrong there, as long as it's German, right? I the I, I started out with. Uh, the Southern German Lager from uh, uh, White Labs, which was the uh, eight, uh, 833? 838. 838. That's right. Yeah. I can't even remember the numbers anymore. Right. And then I went to, uh, and because it was close to the Eyinger strain, and then I went to the Eyinger strain. Which is the, the Bach? Eight? The Bach. 833. The 833. Okay. And then... I've bounced back now to one of the the first German lager yeasts I use, which is the 830. Right. And I tell you, all three of those yeasts are great. How uh, are they different, though? Some of them will give you more sulfur. Some of them will give you more, uh, you know, less attenuation. Some of them will accentuate the malt more. Some of them will accentuate the hops more. Uh-huh. Uh, some of them tend to be a little fruitier. Some of them tend to be a little cleaner. Uh, some of them tend to work better at lower temperatures. Some of them work better at uh, slightly warmer temperatures. Mm. So use them all, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, and if you if you have the ability, what you need to do is you know brew yourself uh, you know big as big a batch of wort as you can make, split it up into you know three different containers, and pitch the three different lageries and yeah. see. Uh, ferment them at the same conditions and see which one works best with how you brew. Now, this is going to be different for each person. Mm. Everybody's got a slightly different style of, of making their wort, slightly different style of fermenting, slightly different style of making their starters and everything. And that's going to impact what results you get with which of these yeasts. Now, the differences are going to be uh, noticeable, but not huge, not out of this world. You're not going to have to worry about oh it's going to be horrible or it's going to be good it's either going to be you know really good yeah or it could be you know excellent or it could be spectacular and you, it depends on a lot of little variables do you think some yeast react better to some people's process yes i really do based on how they're brewing and right right and i think starters that's a and big part of the secret yeah it's like uh you know, how long do you let your starters sit how how warm are you making your starters how or or cold are you making your starters how long do you wait how you know when you open the the yeast pack you know how do you get it into the container do you rinse out some of the extra cells or you just you know don't worry about it or yeah. you know there's these little minor things that you don't think about that add up well they contribute it, to all it, the flavor uh, for sure right and to better yeah. for better or worse you know it's it's just a it's a little variable right and uh, if your beer's turning out great you know don't worry about it but um that's priority one right there. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, if you're getting the you're getting the result, and yeah. and you and you want spectacular beer. You want a beer that you drink and you go, oh my god, this is. You know, I if know. If, you're if, like, if you're not I saying made this. to yourself, yeah. uh, oh, I've never had something this this spectacular before, yeah. then you know you need to. You might want to do some more tweaking. You know? more. You might, yeah, keep keep doing it. Yeah. Change one thing at a time. Yeah. You know, try it again and and see if it it's getting you in the right direction. So there's lots of little things like that. Right, but. That's going to determine really the yeast that works best for you under right. certain conditions. Right. Uh, and after years of using the Southern German and the and the Bach, uh, back. I, I went back to the German lager. It was really to do some yeast experiments. Hmm. 
uh, versus uh, some dry yeasts and some cell counting and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I really like the results. And so now I'm on a uh, back on a German lager kick. EJ Fair uses a German lager. The uh, right. This is this is the yeast. The 830 is going to be the yeast that, and uh, the Y yeast equivalent. I didn't write them down today. Is a twenty? Somebody knows twenty four, twenty two, thirty something. And, <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're excellent products as well. Right. It's just I have a hard time getting them here. Yeah. So that's why I don't I don't uh, have them. Otherwise, uh, you know, if you live in an area where you get Y yeast really easy and not the White Labs, use the Y yeast definitely. Yeah. Both great products. Great products. So, yeah. yeah. And you know, get what use what you can get fresh. Uh, you know, that's that's, you that's know, key there because the fresher it is, the healthier yeah. it's going to be, and the easier time you're going to have uh, building up the yeast to to do your loggers. Mm. But uh, you know you're 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 going to get excellent results with with any of those logger yeasts. The key is you know you have a healthy population of adequate quantity to properly ferment the the, the wort you have and temperature. control that control that temperature for sure so when you ferment these you want to ferment them out you know in the you know 50 degree range i wouldn't go i wouldn't go more than that more than 50 okay you know if you're if you're pitching low on your cell count and you want to ferment it warmer uh, you can. You're going to have, you know, the the more cell growth you have, the more ester production you have, hmm. uh, or more fusels you have as well. So, so that's the reason not to underpitch then, because right. the ester yeah, production. You, you never you never want to underpitch. Right. Now there's, there's some people that you know in this thing that well you know if the cells are growing then there's not the ester production but. Uh, one of the things is, you know, you really stress out the yeast and you end up uh, thinning out the cells and, uh, you know, you can end up with, with still with far less cells than you needed. Right. You know, you can try growing it uh, a bunch, but unless you're continuously oxygenating, you probably won't get to the number of cells you needed to get to. Uh, if you pitch just like one pack into, you know, five, li- five gallons, of U.S. gallons of uh, the work. So you have, you'd definitely have some residual sugar then. Because your yeast can't get to the finish line, right? And right. you end up with uh, too sweet a beer, right? You don't want so, that. So yeah, you got to pitch enough yeast. Uh, again, not to, to plug the cider. This is all free. Right. You go to www.mrmalty.com, and there's a free pitching rate calculator that you can use to make sure you got the right amount of yeast for your. Which is very slick, by the way. Logger yes, thank you. Right. I I put a lot of time into that, and that's where all that uh, research and all that lab work and cell counts and starters went into. Uh, new formulas for that pitching rate calculator hmm. and uh, figuring out um, really to to get the most precise number. The one I had before, the real simple one, kind of used some fudge factors and some guesses on, you know, the amount of tube and things like that. This is more this, refined? Yeah, this is more refined, so the numbers are more accurate, and it allows you to actually dial in some of the parameters yourself, like uh, how thick your slurry is or nice. um, you know, how much tube you have in it. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of people. I don't get sidetracked, but a couple of people had asked about the um, cell count and the milliliters of of uh, slurry, and it, it varies by um, the cells that uh, the, the size of the cells because different strains are going to vary different sizes. But for example, if you take a White Labs tube, that's a thirty-five milliliter tube, right? If you notice, when they have about 100 billion cells in there, it's about two-thirds full. Right. And the rest is all this wort. Right. So, and at two-thirds full, it's like 23, 24 milliliters of yeast. Okay. If you go to the new pitching rate calculator, you dial in a beer that requires 100 billion cells and move it to no tube and thick slurry, you'll see it'll be around 24, 25 uh, milliliters of slurry. Hmm. So... Does it give you a target gravity that and actually I I had worked it out through a bunch of other numbers, yeah. but you know somebody questioned me about it, and so I went and did that real quick, and sure enough, it matches what you find nice. in, in in a tube. And those and that's a, a tight packed slurry, you right. know, in those tubes, you have to shake those pretty hard. Right. But that's that give you an idea what a thick slurry is. Right. And pretty much true free, and that's a hundred billion cells. And a hundred billion cells is roughly good for like a ten forty beer or less, a ten forty five. Yeah, you can do a you know a ten forty eight beer. Okay. Um, you know, one vial. Yeah, if it's real fresh. Okay. You know they're 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 good for doing quite a bit. Um, if if they're not so fresh, then the new pitching rate calculator has a thing. You put in the production date of the 
of the yeast that you're using. It actually calculates freshness? It'll kind of give you a a guesstimate on viability. It's going to really depend on how it's been handled and things like that. Right. And, uh, you know, again, it's a guesstimate, but it gives you some idea of what you've, what you've got and how many active cells you probably have and you know, how much of a starter you're going to need to make. Okay. So, you know, again, it, it gives you some shots at that. All right. Going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up uh, brewing a Schwartz beer. Coming this Christmas, it began life in the very bowels of the earth. A ferrous chromium alloy melted in an electric furnace at temperatures exceeding 1,300 degrees Celsius. It has nearly 80 millimeters of sanitary welds. Tensile strength, 579 megapascals. A milliliter capacity of more than 46,000. Its lid seals with a superhuman ethylene propylene dyeing monomer gasket. Its racking arm rotating. Its dump valve full port. Yeast and tube collect down a slope of precisely 60 degrees. Standing more than 30 American inches tall. It's the Brewing Network's Conical Christmas Giveaway. Sponsored by Beer, Beer, and More Beer at morebeer.com. And HCA Industries at hcaind.com. Listen now through December 10th for your chance to register to win one of two B3 Conical Fermenters on the Brewing Network. This is the Jameel Show. Hey there, I'm Jamel. I'm here with uh, John Plisse. We're talking about Schwartz beer. Yummy. Oh, yeah. It, it, this is absolutely one of my favorite sauces. If I, Everybody should brew this beer. Yep, yep. Even if you, you don't like dark beers, you don't like uh, lagers, you don't like... Try it anyways. You'd be amazed at what this beer... I, again, I, I I didn't think I'd like it, and it, it rapidly became one of my absolute favorites. It's a great dessert beer. Yeah, it's a great, you know, breakfast beer, lunch beer, dinner <laughs> beer. It's, uh, anytime, it's an anytime beer. Yeah. yeah. You can drink this anytime. In place of that morning coffee that you're always drinking. Mm-hmm. If you're brewing this with uh, extract, you're going to want to replace that uh, seven pounds of uh, Munich malt with about five pounds of a liquid Munich malt extract. You really need to, you can't steep Munich malt. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to mash convert Munich malt. So either you need to do a partial mash or replace it with a Munich uh, liquid malt extract. There's a few uh, homebrew suppliers out there that are selling it, and I think uh, more are coming online with it. And you need to replace the Pilsner malt with a Pilsner liquid malt extract. Or you can use dry malt extract as well for that. Uh, three pounds of liquid malt extract will about replace that four pounds of uh, Pilsner grain. And there's a couple of places that are making uh, Pilsner malt extract, and many of the homebrew shops have started carrying it. And I think uh, Brees makes a makes a good one, a Pilsner malt mm-hmm. extract. And it can't go wrong with uh, the Brees products either. So if you're doing that, uh, you'd, you'd go with those, and then you'd steep the Crystal 40, the chocolate malt, the roasted barley, and the carafa special. Same percentage? Same percentages as, or well, not percentages, but uh, by by weight. Weight, okay. So we'll we'll get this recipe posted. I need to do a few tweaks on this recipe before would, before it gets posted. For extract brewers, would you recommend that they do a slow steep, like forty five minutes to an hour, to get more of the color out of the dark grains? Uh, yeah, whatever you're traditionally doing that's working on on the other recipes, right? Uh, do the same thing on this one. Uh, you know, if you change the length of time or the temperature. When you're when you're doing your steeping grains, mm-hmm. or you pack a bag chock full, yeah. or you do it loose without a bag, if you change any of those parameters, you're going to get a different level of flavor and aroma and color and body and sweetness and all that from these specialty grains. Right. So whatever your process that you enjoy doing, 
stick with the same process. And you're getting the color. I mean, and, and yeah, if your results are turning out well, right. then stick with the same process. And it, most important is that the, all the recipes are coming from the, the same uh, brewer, so uh, same source. So all my recipes, if they're working out well for you the way you're doing it, continue to do it that way. If you're not quite getting enough color or flavor extraction, then you can either change your technique or you can uh, ramp up the, the amounts that are in there. Mm-hmm. So you're just slightly shy of what you're getting, but you like using a bag or whatever, or you like using a certain temperature or time, uh, add a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you don't like waiting more than 20 minutes? Okay, add some more uh, to, to compensate. And mm-hmm. just as long as you, and then you can make that adjustment on every recipe. Right. Can you add dark grain at the end of the boil? Can you steep it? I mean, just uh, if you don't have the color? Nah, at the end of the boil? Or um, let's say you're, you're chilling it down and you get below 170. Steep mm-hmm. some more grain in there to get the color back into it? Yeah, I'm not sure if I would because all the grain has lactobacillus on it. Oh uh, yeah. So you're gonna so you want to boil it, right? I'm not sure if all the all the colored grains do, but all the base grains have uh, like lacto and other things on. Yeah. Them. Okay. So you really need to make sure you boil for san to sanitize that okay. wort. Otherwise, you end up with the trouble. If you're going to do a, uh, a mash uh, and you can do all grain. Then what I do is a single infusion at 154 Fahrenheit. And I apologize to our listeners uh, elsewhere in the world that use a metric system. I didn't do my metric numbers today. (laughs) Somehow I got distracted. Yeah. (laughs) So I apologize for that. But uh, 154 Fahrenheit, which is probably like 60-something. Celsius, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Sounds about right. Should be a global system, you know? I could look it up, yeah. uh, but uh, I don't want to make a bunch of noise getting out all my sheets and have all my conversions on it. <laughs> but 154 uh, single infusion works very well for this beer. And you said you milled your, you powdered your your dark grain with like a coffee yeah, right blender. coffee grinder grinder right, and you get more color out of it that way. And it doesn't, uh, as far as a carafe special goes, I would not do this with a a, a grain that has husk, or you're going to get a lot of that uh, burnt, astringent, roast oh, awesome. uh, stuff out of it. You get too much. Uh, the the grains that, that we tend to use nowadays are very well modified. So single infusion works quite well. If you want to do uh, step mash, you can. Uh, seams with loggers. It's a traditional way. People like, yeah. like to use uh, low modification uh, malts, and, uh, or they, they like to... Uh, you know, go through that process or right. decoctions, things like that. You certainly can do that. It's good to try it at least. Right. If you haven't ever tried it, you should try yeah. it. Yeah. And then you realize when you do it once, you're like, I'll go back to single. <laughs> right. you know? No how much time you save and you still make much easier. Yeah. And the, the difference uh, is is minor. How do you avoid a, a astringency with dark grains? I'm, that's an, I think darker beers are one of the harder beers to brew, for me at least, mm-hmm. because I always seem to get a cloying astringency from my grains. And I'll be even conservative, cut my dark roasted malt by half, and I'll still get somewhat of an astringency issue. Well, it's inter- interesting because those dark roasted flavors are astringent right. by, by the very nature. Right. And if you want a dark beer without the astringency, you use the Carafa Special. Okay. If you want... The roasted flavor, without being astringent, I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. What you can do is add more residual sweetness, mm. and then it becomes more chocolatey. Okay. And it becomes, it's a difference, I think I've said this before, it's a difference between black coffee and black coffee with sugar. Right. And the... Takes off that edge. Right. And, and the whole character of the beverage changes when you do that, Right. right. Same thing in beer, if you have more residual sweetness or less. Same thing with uh, carbonation plays a big part in this, too. Okay. You get a little too much carbonation, it, it adds to that acid and, and prickly effect of the, and uh, can make the whole thing seem more astringent. Does crystal malt help mask it at all? You know, yes. Like crystal 40? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you're going to get some sweetness there. there. Uh, you can, you know, change around a few things, and and it, it's amazing what, what effect that has. Mm. So that's something you can try. A number of people had tried in the past a uh, cold steeping technique. and The night before? Right. They'd take cold water right. and steep their grains in that, their, their uh, roasted grains in that. And they say that this makes it less astringent and you get the color and the flavor. But, yeah, 
know, I'm really one with saying, you know, the astringency is part of that. That, well, not, well, uh, you know, it's. I, I guess you can get that, but you know, some of the character that's expected is mm-hmm. is a little bit of that astringency. I think. It shouldn't be really astringent, right? But uh, I just I, don't want to see how you're getting that uh, that perception with with a lot of roast. Yeah, it's all roast and malt. You know. Yeah. There's no bitterness, there's no hot flavor, there's no malt sweetness, it's just black. <laughs> black death. Black death, yeah, pretty much. So a, a little bit of residual sweetness will help, hmm. I think. Mike Riddle, um, he talked to me up at NorCal, and he says he actually will add his dark malts halfway through the mash. Mm-hmm. He'll dough them in, stir it up, and right. he says that it actually takes away a little bit of the edge of the stringency from mm-hmm. the dark malts, which I have yet to try this and process. I, I think, doesn't Dr. Scott do something similar? He does it like the last five minutes for f- during recirculation. Right. Yeah. Now, see... I've the, tried that, but I don't get the color I want. Right. That that would be the thing I would think. You, you're not getting quite the same flavor. You're not right. getting the same color. Right. So you have to add more. Right. And that could be... And if you add more, you're just... You know, it's kind of the same thing, risky. I would think. But, right. uh, and uh, Mike Riddle is going about halfway through, you say. Yeah. Last, yeah. Huh? And his stouts are amazing. I mean... Right. His porters right. are amazing. Right. Okay. So so maybe that's something to, to try. explore. Yeah. Do one side by side. But you find when you do a 60-minute mash, you're not having any astringency coming through or... No. Uh, okay. No, no, not really. Well, and you mash out. Do you think mashing out can actually add if you exceed 170? Sure. You know, I would be more concerned with the pH of the beer. Oh, right. So you so want a higher pH then? Lower pH. Lower pH. Well, you don't Softer want to get beer. too low. You want it. You want to be five two, well, around five two. Aren't dark malts more acidic? So yes. Wouldn't you want a little higher pH because it'll probably lower. Well, it yeah. It's, you know, you, you want to end up around five two, and if you're, if with pale malts, you're ending up, in, um, if you're ending up, at five two. Right. Then, and you add all these dark grains, then it's going to go below five two. You don't want that, right? So you need to be okay. a little cautious about what you're doing. So maybe like five six going into it or something. Right. Uh, it, it's going to vary depending on the water right. and how much grain you're using, and each recipe is going to be different. So you have to kind of get a feel for it. Okay. You, everybody should be measuring their pH, right. especially if you're just starting out. You should be measuring your pH on a regular basis. The, they and the change. And the thing to do, unless you're brewing multiple times a week, the um, digital pH meters are not the way to go. Paper? The, and the paper is not the way to go. Yeah. The, the only ones I found... Uh, are the the pH fa- the fast strips? Yeah, there's they're, like they're from Germany. Yeah, it's a yeah. hundred in a in a container. They're twenty like twenty five dollars or twenty seven dollars for a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. So they're not cheap. It's like a quarter a piece. They're very accurate, though. but they're very accurate. Right. And I've compared this to my bench meter, mm-hmm. and I with those strips, I can say, well, this is you know such and such, mm-hmm. and I'm right on the money with those mm-hmm. things. So they're excellent. They're in a in a range that uh, is appropriate for brewing. And uh, more beer carries them, I know. And the first batch of them I got, I got from Northern Brewer uh, uh, a couple of years ago. And so I know Northern Brewer carries them. And you might find them around some other places, your local homebrew shop. Try your local homebrew shop first. See if they get them, if they have them, or if they can get them for you. you know, good to support your local homebrew shop always because uh, those, those days when you need something and they're yeah. not there, uh, you know, uh, mail order takes some time to get to you. Yeah. Uh, if you can't get them there and your shop won't order them for you, which I, I find hard to believe, uh, go to uh, northernbrewer.com or morebeer.com and right. you can pick them up there. Those are those are good. And it's it's fun to get involved with pH. I mean, I'm just starting to get into it this year with winemaking and stuff. But you learn a lot about what pH does to fermentation, does to your grain bill, to your flavor in your beer. It's it's a whole new world of this flavor, I mean, experience, basically. So. Right, right, yeah, and so you know, pH is is a is a big part of 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 a good getting, round malted beer. Really. Well, yeah, getting getting the beer to taste right, yeah, and to uh, preserve right and to last right and things like that. Right, because if you don't, you're going to end up, uh, you know, if the if the pH is too high, uh, funky. Yeah. So, and the final beer tends tends to be around four, four two in, in that range. After the boil and all that, it, it should drop a little bit lower. It's not bad. Yep. Well. Woo-hoo. All right. Uh, 
So our next show is going to be Cream Ales, we believe. I, I believe it's Cream Ales, yeah. 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 All right. So, and those of you listening live right now, we're going to have a, uh, another Jamil show coming up in just uh, after this break, just a couple of minutes. Which would be about cider. It's going to be about cider. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is the, the magical mystery of uh, tape delay here. Yeah. We, we having to do this because of the Thanksgiving break coming up. Yeah. We're doing our Schwartzbeer show before the cider show. And there then we go. We're going to do the Cider Show next, and this one will actually uh, be posted uh, in, in time for when it normally would have played. Two weeks. Two weeks. There we go. Good show, John. You too, buddy. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. The Jamil Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jamil to jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jamil Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Brewing Network. In a time. In a time? In a land before time. Look, this is a commercial to inform the listeners of the upcoming Conical Christmas giveaway. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. It's a giveaway. On the edge of space. They're giving away two conicals. A girl. No. Two girls. Just Now, what is wrong with you? More than ever, Stop it. a renegade cop. I hate you. A robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you are actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Bush. No, I like it in here. The Brewing Network Comical Christmas Giveaway. Keep listening for your chance to win.